live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a news flash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to the show. How are you guys today? We are uh, we're trying to get Kelly on the phone here. <laughs> it's one of those crazy days. I don't know if she can hear us. So, anywho, um, it's been, it was, it was wild last week. For some reason, we didn't, uh, it, our, our network was down, and it was crazy, and, uh, and we weren't able to have our awesome guests on last week, but we're going to get them rescheduled because I was super, super excited about them and, and have them on the show. So um, we're going to try to get them on next week. But this week, this week's show is going to be just as fantastic, so you're not going to be let down at all, I promise. But this week we have um, Dion Davis on the show. She's going to be our first guest after the break, and she's going to be talking to us about um, her book, I'll Find a Way. And um, in that book she talks about her yeah. journey with her son, who came out when he was 14. Um, All right. And she's going to be talking with us about um, LGBT um, acceptance and all of that great stuff. And then in our third segment, we're going to be talking with Greg Flagler, who his book, The, uh, the Book of Noah, is about um, his journey through parenting with his dual diagnosis son who has... Um, who has autism and also has Down syndrome. So we're going to be talking with the two of them today after our, our first segment. And um, But Kelly, hi, are you here with us? I'm here, present. Hi. You know, hi. We're gonna have happy. To get your, we're gonna, happy Mother's Day. Yes, happy Mother's Day to you. <laughs> it's over, but, you know, whatevs. Yeah, like the Happy New Year thing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, how was how was your Mother's Day? It was wonderful, wonderful. Had everyone together, had a nice meal, lots of laughs. That's awesome. Good times. That's cool. I was on the opposite end of that spectrum this year. Oh, I know. Yeah, so I kind of speak for those moms out there who are like, you know what, you can stick your Mother's Day happiness. You know, because I, I was I was there with that. You know, my guys were gone since Thursday. And right. My, I didn't even get to see my new baby niece because my sister was at her other family, whatever. Right. Hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, it was it was one of those. I don't know. It was a shitty weekend. I was like not. You know how like you pray to be left alone like for Mother's Day, yep. like your your husband and your kids are like, what do you want for Mother's Day? And you're like, I just want to be left alone. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Right, right, right. I hear you. Because right. it's it, it's not all that. It it really wasn't all that. It was it was disappointing. And then here's the thing. So 
you in in typical Tara fashion, I went to social media c- to kind of like I don't know, make myself feel better. <laughs> uh-huh. And I wrote this this entire post about how Mother's Day, um, you know, why do we try to cram all of all of our gratitude and all of our value as parents into one day? You know, like <laughs> I know my family loves me 365 days a year. I know my sisters love me 365 days a year, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and, and I wrote that basically because I was kind of empathizing with the moms who were dealing with the same kind of stuff that I was. Right. Right. So uh, that didn't it, that didn't mean that my family got a pass. You know, that didn't mean. Uh, so they're driving home from Virginia. You know, they're all on their phones. You, oh, sure. I mean, my right. My husband was probably using the Waze app. You know, my kids were probably Snapchatting, Facebooking, tweeting, twatting, whatever they were doing. Right. And, and not one of them thought to send me a text message or give me a call and say, Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Oh. You know, I guess that's kind of the thing, Kelly. Sure. Let's let's downplay the the Hallmark holiday and celebrate moms and dads and children and grandparents uh, 365 days a year. Let's all agree to do that. And that doesn't give you a pass to not simply be cordial and acknowledge the day on the day. Oh, sure. You need to be extra special, attentive if you're not around. Right. I mean, you know, let's face it. So I didn't do it. It's funny because the my bonus teen was with me over the weekend because it was just uh-huh. my husband and, and my two teens, big teen and little teen went with him. Bonus teen stayed with me. So the house was spotless the entire time they were gone to the point that on Sunday morning, I even looked at bonus teen and went, isn't it amazing how 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 clean the house stays when they're not here? <laughs> within within an hour of them walking in the door, everything was filthy. It seemed like there were, for some magical bippity-boppity-boo reason, a thousand dishes wound up in the sink. And all the dirty laundry was in a mountain in my kitchen. And it was like, you know, like all the mess just came with them like pig pen, you know? It was like, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And And I thought, it's Mother's Day. I ain't doing shit. So I laid around. I didn't do nothing. And then, you know, we had a little bit of a going on because, of course, no homework was done the whole time where they were gone. They were bored out of their minds, but no homework got done. So <laughs> all the homework was supposed to be done on Sunday night. And I looked at them. I finally looked at them and I put my keys in my hand and I put on my coat and I got my purse and I said, I'm taking myself out to dinner. If anyone would like to join me, I'm leaving. Oh, boy. Because oh I was boy. like, right? You know mama's pissed when she gets her own keys. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's three driving adults in the house. So it it just it pissed me off because... It was like th- no consideration. And they're like, oh, what are you, why are you so concerned about eating? It's not the eating. <laughs> if you're listening it's right the gathering. now. It's the gathering. Thank you, Kelly. 
<laughs> and they're like, well, why would you want to be with us if you're pissed at us anyway? And I'm like, because oh, it's obligatory. <laughs> now smile for that damn picture before I punch you in your throat. Right. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, that's we're all living on Pinterest right now. 90% <laughs> of us aren't as happy as we are on social media as we appear to be. You know? So true. It's so true. But, uh, you know, and I think that there's a lot of pressure. I think there's a lot more pressure to be perfect now that there's um, video evidence of our perfection all over social media. You know? And I agree with that. And at the same time, um, I don't think that we should allow that feigned perfection, those moments of feigned perfection, to take away from simple courtesy and kindness you know i think if we make it look good in a in a snapshot then we forget that we have to kind of at least try in real life right and you know i don't know that's where i'm at kelly Mm -hmm. i think we bitch about i think we bitch about things that don't need to be bitched about you know, right. like this. So and, and we don't we don't listen to we don't take the time to get the other person's story before we judge or bitch. So like true. it is. It, it, did you see? OK, so did you see the um, the 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 video, the six month old baby who the mom is sitting on the edge of the pool and the little six month old is in the yellow dress? Yeah. And. Right. And so she falls into the water and they let her write herself. They let her get onto her back and float so that, right. People, it's two minutes. It's a two minute video of a little girl doing a survival floating technique at six months old. Right. The mom is right there. She's like, good baby, good baby. You know, the whole deal. People flipped shit on this woman like your child should be taken away from you this is horrible i don't care that's disgusting you don't let that happen you're right there here's a little backstory the reason that she is such an advocate for infant emergency swimming techniques and flotation techniques is because her four-year-old son drowned and died i heard that Mm -hmm. yeah so you know She's giving back to the world what she wishes so badly she had had three years ago when her son died. Yes. You know, it's like the baby wasn't in danger. The baby was not suffering. The baby does not have lifelong damage, psychological, physical, or otherwise. She is. She was exhibiting a technique that clearly is hard to watch. And that's why most parents don't do it because it's too hard to watch. So she's saying, watch, it's going to be okay. Give that baby two minutes, give that baby the education and the survival techniques, and then give it two minutes before you rescue. And it could save your child's life. That's what she was saying. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be more difficult to watch the baby sinking to the bottom. Mm hmm. Bam. Damn straight. Yeah. Mic drop. That's right, Kelly. Mm-hmm. You know, but 
But you didn't see that because she taught her baby well and she wants the rest of Parent Nation to understand that just because it's hard to watch doesn't mean that it's bad. Yeah. And maybe the reason that we have such a great reason to to bitch about our kids these days, about their entitlement and their inability um, to manage life skills. Maybe it's because we have become too afraid to watch. Mm. You have to let them struggle a little bit. You have to be their safety net. You have to be a foot away so that you can pick them out of the water if it gets bad. But you have to you have to be willing to let them struggle and write themselves. Right. And not just in the water. In everything. Yeah, it, that yeah, that was kind of a, a, a little but, bit of an yeah, analogy. I, I but, <laughs> Good point, Kara. <laughs> it's just oh my gosh, it's so crazy. You know, maybe maybe the empaths of the world are the ones who are gonna save us because I gotta tell you, there's so many things that I I can't just I can't just snap to judgment on stuff. I used to. I used to really mm-hmm. badly. And I had really bad relationships and I had depression and anxiety and all of those things that we're so scared of in our kids today. I had mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And then I learned to to breathe and to stop and to analyze and to feel into things. And now it's better. Things are better. You know, not always. Right. It's not right. a, it's not a picture's perfect life. Obviously, you know, Mother's Day was a little bit sketchy, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's we gotta stop judging. Like Chrissy Teigen, did you? Did, Chrissy Teigen is the is the model sure. who had this like perfect little body, and then she had this baby, and she went out on a date night with her husband, and the baby was ten days old. She didn't leave the baby at home alone. You dumbass people. She <laughs> went out on a date night and left a ten day old infant with a, a family member, and went to dinner and came back, and Twitter exploded. Because because clearly she is an irresponsible parent. It's like, yeah. do you know what a 10-day-old baby does? Sleep. Sleeps. Sleeps. Sleeps and eats. Mm-hmm. And, con- and contrary to popular belief, not everybody breastfeeds their baby. And nor should right. they have to. Just because the nipple Nazis are out there saying everybody has to breastfeed their baby doesn't mean that they have to. And it doesn't make them a bad parent if they don't or can't. So she's choosing to bottle feed her baby. And she chose to leave her baby with a responsible family member and go out on a date night with her husband. Probably, probably the most perfect timing ever. Because in the next month or two, the baby's going to start crying for her. Right now, the baby's not crying for her. Yeah. At 10 days old. Seriously, anybody can put a baby to sleep at 10 days old. <laughs> Crying out loud. They're boring as hell at that age. Accept it. Yes, <laughs> they are. They are. They smell good and their poop isn't really terrible yet. But other than that, they're boring. <laughs> so if mom and dad want to go out and reconnect, you know, they didn't leave the baby in a bar. They didn't leave it at home by itself. We need to get over ourselves perfection did you see the dumbest invention ever let me tell you about it <laughs> what is that Kara? google has come out with this bedtime vr virtual reality okay. storytelling 
So the parent puts this virtual reality headset on and then the kid puts on a virtual reality headset and then they go through a story, a bedtime story together. It was created with the best of intentions. It was created for parents who are out of town or away a lot so that they can still experience Mm. bedtime stories together with their kids. But here's the thing. That's not where it's going to end and that's not where it's going to go. You're going to be sitting on the bed right next to your kid with stupid virtual reality headsets on and letting someone else and something else create not only the storytelling for you, but the imagination that goes along with it. This is the kind of shit that really irritates the hell out of me. Like, why can't we just let children hear a story and create the visuals in their heads anymore? (laughs) It's insane, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, BJ Novak wrote a book called The Book Without Pictures. Uh-huh. I think this is the greatest book ever. He's a comedian. He's on what is it? Um, uh, Comedy the, Central. The, yeah, he's on it. He's on a TV series. But he created. Oh. He wrote this book. He wrote this book and it is on Comedy Central. Yes, um, but he wrote this book and it's just words. And it even starts out: the reader of this book has to read every single word exactly as it's written. And it's like the craziest words. It's like Dr. Seuss type words that are made up funny words, but it's so hysterical and it just gets kids laughing and and enjoying and visualizing in their own heads. It's just moments of hearing and concentrating on what you're hearing. You know what I mean? Yes. It's not a done for you imaginary world. My kids couldn't even read The Great Gatsby they had to watch the movie so that they could visualize the characters while they read the book. Right. That's the opposite of what you're supposed to do. <laughs> oh, God, it irritates the hell out of me. So, anyway, uh, well, we're going to go to break so, soon. Okay. All right. But, that kind of makes me laugh because my daughter and I were reading the, the Hunger Games series at the same time. And we had similar but different views of PETA, of what we thought PETA looked like. And when we were out and about, we'd say, that's what I think Peter looks like. <laughs> I love that. See, that's fun that's stuff. Hilarious. That's connecting. That's connecting kind of stuff, Kelly. Uh-huh. And that's the kind of stuff that I love. It's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited. I, we're going to be going to break in a few seconds, but when we come back, we're going to be talking to Dion Davis, um, who's going to be talking to us about LGBT youth and acceptance and her book, I'll Find a Way. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. to pay the bills in this freaking studio which is why Tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors homeschooling half questions get your pen and paper ready it's the sociable homeschooler vivian mcninney fridays at five four central on toginet.com after a handsome blue-eyed texan fell in love with vivian at the victoria station in london she found herself at dfw airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Did you know the average 5-year-old asks about 400 questions a day? 
I overheard an embarrassing one. A little boy was talking to his grandmother on the telephone and said, I haven't seen you in a long time, Grandma. Are you in heaven? What do you call a small person who talks a lot? A yif-yaf. Not to be confused with a yip-yop, which is a young, scatterbrained person. Here are some questions I think we've all wondered. If humans evolved from monkeys and apes, why do we still have monkeys and apes? Why doesn't glue stick to the inside of the bottle? Where did the phrase, curiosity killed the cat, come from? It's actually a 16th century American saying that daredevil, curious cats, can sometimes get into trouble. Here's a couple of other words for daredevils. Hardy darties or harem scarums. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to be here with our first guest, Dion Davis. And uh, Dion is a mother and an author, as well as an advocate for gay youth. And um, that's because her own son came out when she was 14 years old, when he was 14 years old. I'm terribly sorry. Um, And and so uh, as an advocate, she wanted to find a way to help parents and others understand Um, what's going on with our gay youth today. So she wrote a book called I'll Find a Way. And um, I'm really excited to have you here talking to us today. Dion, how are you? I'm great. And I'm very, very excited being here. It's it's the top of my morning, noon, and evening whenever I can speak to anyone about my experiences, about my son's experiences. That's why we titled the book, um, I'll Find a Way, A Mother's Journey of Love and Acceptance for Her Gay Son, because it actually was a journey, and it still is a journey. uh, He came out when he was 14, and he's now 25, living in California, and he's an actor. He's an intern on Grey's Anatomy, on Rosewood. Now he thinks that he's um, the God's gift to the world. <laughs> and at Aww. 14, yeah, you can't tell him anything now, but at 14 years old, he was cutting, uh, tried to commit suicide three times, and it was just an uphill battle that we won. So that's why I, I, I speak, I, I, um, counsel, I do anything that I can to help parents and to help also, um, the child. We And the thing I love so much about that is the fact that at 14, um, he was able to come out because we hear so many stories of young adults um, who even people who get married because they think that to the opposite sex, because they think that that's what they're supposed to do. And then, you know, they get married and they find out that they, they just can't. They can't be in a committed relationship with someone that they don't love on an intimate level that way. Exactly. And, you know, it's amazing it's, to me. Yes, and actually it's um, it's a hidden stuff of character because throughout these years they they get married, they, they, they hide their, they, they their, their self. And, and also it, it plays a part on self-worth, and it also plays a part on that spouse. 
because that spouse is into this relationship, committed relationship, loving relationship, you know, thinking that my husband or my wife is all in love with me, but on the on the end, it, it tears. It, it, it can do a lot of damage because then mm-hmm. you grow a family, you grow children, and then you realize several years later, whenever your children, and I'm speaking from an experience that um, I actually, um, he, uh, this gentleman, he comes into my office, where his session was up six months ago, but I used to, to come into my office and speak with me about it because he's, uh, he went through the same thing, and he regretted so much that he's living with a bunch of guilt because mm-hmm. he didn't go out to do this because I'm going to get married and I'm going to have children and I'm just going to destroy their lives and their thoughts. He just was hiding his inner feelings and he regrets it now because in the end he did a lot of damage that their family is slowly working back up to. Mm-hmm. But uh, the one right, the, the, the daughter who's uh, 24, she just don't want anything to do with him and that's what hurts him the most that he... And, it's kind of not lost a child, but she's not communicating with him, and it's been over uh, four years now. Mm. It's got to yeah. be it, as hard as it is for for him, um, you know, to to be able to find the strength to yeah. accept, you know, who he really was. It's got to be hard for a child to think, you know, this this whole thing was a lie you know, and who am I really? And it's, gosh, and you would think in, in 2016 that Mm -hmm. we would be able to be more accepting and we would be past these, you know, petty judgments and, and, you know, as, as a, as a wife or a husband to someone who comes out, you know, well into a marriage We almost we we stigmatize them too. We're like, oh, you weren't man enough to keep your your wife, or you weren't woman enough to keep your husband. It's like, how can we dare to do this to adults and then expect children who are finding their own sexuality to have the strength to be able to come out in that kind of environment? Yeah, and the environment is brutal. It is brutal. The end. It's um. It, that's why I, whenever I speak, whenever I, it, it, and the sad part about it is I, I go into elementary schools and I, I touch on the subject, but, you know, of course, the, uh, a lot of the elementary schools and the, the principals and you know, the vice principals that I speak to, before I get on the platform to speak, I get my, my prep talk by, because they want me to touch they want me to walk on the walk on eggshells with it, and I get it because they are elementary school students, and it's according to the, the grade level or the the middle school students. And then I can be a little bit more open in the high school, but I feel that it's what we're dealing with in 2016, and I feel that we mm-hmm. have to we have to um, grab these emotions or grab these children's thoughts because if not, we're gonna have a bunch of ruined adults, a bunch of ruined families. If these if our if our youth can uh, come to grips and find an advocate that they can speak to about what's going on in their mind mentally and um, and mentally and physically. So it's 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 amazing that, like you said, we're in 2016 and we only got a little better. Every time yeah. my son was 14 and to 25, I have honestly seen, I, I would say honestly within my own opinion, a 25% change. And right now we should at least be at 90 
opposite change of acceptance and um, and acceptance and also um, tolerance and just mm-hmm. understanding. But I, I honestly feel that and being out here as an advocate and a speaker and a, an author, I only seen a twenty percent change since my son came out. So I have to ask you, because a lot of people, a lot of the the experts that I listen to and the research that I'm reading is mm-hmm. actually saying that we are backpedaling. We're at the point yeah. where, you know, when when the the bathroom laws were introduced and when um, when gay couples started suing over bakers, you know, cakes yeah. and, and that sort of thing. There, there are studies that are showing that we're actually regressing in our tolerance yeah. for and the it, LGBT it, community. Do you think yeah. it's because? Do you think it's because we're being, we're, we're almost to the point of forcing acceptance instead of allowing it? Yes, I, I believe that um, no one wants anything that's thrown into the face that says you have to accept it. Even mm-hmm. my, like I even remember my my grandchild. She wanted her toy, but my my her brother was forcing her to take it. But she wanted that toy. But since he was forcing it to to her to take it, making making her take the toy, she was throwing it back. Like, no, I'm not going to take this toy because you're forcing you're forcing it on me. But the minute he turned away and forgot about it, it put his interest on something else, she reached out and she grabbed that toy. So I, <laughs> I honestly believe that it is kind of like they they put up. No, you're not gonna. I think the the um, I think we put up a block. Like if you allow me to go ahead and accept this, then maybe gradually I'll I'll come to it. But you're not going to throw it in my face and say this is what it is. You have to accept it. And I think it's just right. human nature is to say no. I, let me do it on my time. And actually, that was me. That was me. I grew up in a Christian home where, you know, you, we, I, in my home we uh, heard negative things about being gay. My father said negative things. My uncle, they said the negative bad words. And mm-hmm. but and I actually watched a, a, a neighbor get beat by his, really, really beat in a field by his father, who was a pastor. And um, I thought it one point my son i was telling him you're coming out of the closet but now you're pushing me in the closet because you're forcing this on me and just because i accepted um rashad and my son's name rashad just because i accepted and i'm your mother i'm going to love you unconditionally regardless you need to give me time to come out my closet now and don't don't throw it down my throat and that built a wall at one point because i felt that he was forcing it on me but once I came to grips and started researching myself, looking at the love that he had for a human being, not for the opposite sex or the same sex, but love for a human being, that's when I gradually became the advocate that I am today. Wow. That's, you know, I have to say, Dion, that is one of the most inspiring stories about parental acceptance that I've heard. Well, because you. <laughs> you you were advocating for yourself in that moment. Yeah. You, you know, and it's like I I think that we we really pay a lot of attention as we should because this is this is a new this is a new level of acceptance when we're talking about kids coming yeah. out, you know. Yeah. Um it's it, it's a totally different ball game, but yeah. we've we've really we've really hit the ball home in helping kids to to 
understand that you, you know, you can come out and you are safe and, you know, we will love you. But I think yeah. that we haven't spoken enough to the parents yeah. to say, exactly. you're, you're allowed to have a mourning period. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. That was the biggest pill that I had to swallow. I didn't understand it. I didn't know how. And parents, you know, listening out there, it's okay. It's okay to not accept it. It's okay to want to learn more about it, to, to read about it. You know, but in the end, love conquers all because in the end, I, I wanted my son because my son would have committed suicide. I would have lost him. And I would rather, I, I want my son in my life. We have great mm-hmm. days. We have great times. I mean, I love going to California, visiting him. It wouldn't be, I wouldn't want it any different. I love meeting his, his, uh, his spouse. They're, he's the perfect person in the world. Both of them are perfect people. But I, you have to go through your own, whatever you want to call it, I call it my grieving. It was a grieving mm-hmm. period for me because I thought I lost a male. I thought I lost a son. I thought I wasn't going to have grandchildren by him. I just, all kinds of thoughts came through my mind, but take it one day at a time. Um, love yourself. Love him. You did not do anything wrong. It's not a failure position because I thought I was a failure. But no, it's just, it, it takes time, understanding, education, and, and love. And you'll get through it, and you'll find out in the end that that same child that you that came out to you as being gay yesterday was that same child you loved before you found out he was gay two days ago. It's yeah, that same child that thing love. Only happier and more complete. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then you'll see you'll see that child uh, running around, walking around the happiest thing ever, and you would be happy seeing that your child is happy because it's nothing like the love of a parent. Mm-hmm. And the love back. And my son also told me that if I, he, don't, he didn't care about anyone else in this world not accepting him. If I didn't accept him as his mother, that's when he was, quote unquote, going off to meet his maker, hopefully. Wow. Yes. That's pretty amazing. And so it's, it's really important for us to realize, because I think a lot of people are having a hard time um, accepting when a kid can say that they're can come out you know what is the right age now we have the what what's the right age you know is it when we would accept them having sex no 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 because no. you know i got my first kiss when i was in kindergarten and i remember yes. it yeah you know yes, yes. i was in so. first grade <laughs> see <laughs> not too far off we're almost, yeah yeah what was on our mind? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we had little crushes back then. True story. Yeah. And our kids yeah. do too. And our kids yes, do too. So do. it's not it's not fair to expect them to wait to come out of the closet until you're ready to accept that they're having sex. Yes, and, and to me, I, I honestly feel that that's dangerous. Yeah, you know, that's mm-hmm. dangerous because it does it it. it but when a child protects their, their their sexual identity or who they are, that's that, that's a heavy burden on their mind. So it takes away from that's when you find that's when depression sets in because that takes away from the child's uh, school, mm-hmm. uh, being able to relate to peers because that's constantly on their mind. That's a burden. Uh, I guess imagine a six or seven year old knowing that there's I'm, I'm having different feelings in my mind and in my life. There's different feelings going on. I don't know how to tell my mom. I don't know if I'm going to be accepted. That's 
that's a weight, a big burden on them. And whenever they can't have no one to come out to, that takes away from them being an excellent student, an excellent mm -hmm. son, an excellent friend, you know, an excellent playmate. They're on their mind that they're different. And all these things that I'm speak, speaking about is what we went through because my son, as I look back, he was not the the average student or the average brother or sister because he stayed in a lonely place and being uh, always by himself worrying about mm. this, how to come out and face the world and his mommy with this big secret that he thought was not going to be accepted by us. Oh. So, so tell us how we can get a hold of you, Dion, in your book. Okay. Well, you can get my book uh, from I, actually. I, Author House, Author House uh, has my books. Any online retailers, book, book retailers like Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Books and Books. Also, my webpage at DionDavis.com. Um, and mm -hmm. all of my uh, uh, my Facebook pages, author Dion Davis from, from Facebook and Twitter. And awesome. that's how you can reach me. And I'm always available, always. And all of my contact information is on my webpage, DionDavis.com. That's so awesome. And you do coaching and you have books yeah. and resources and it's, it's an amazing, um, it's amazing gift that you give to parents and kids. And we appreciate you so much, Dion. Thank you for being with us thank today. You. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, when we, after this break that we're going to go to in a few seconds, we're going to come back and talk to Greg Flagler, who is going to talk to us about his book, The Book of Noah, dealing with a dual diagnosis son of Down syndrome and autism, which has got to be a struggle too. So this is quite the informative show and we hope you'll stay tuned and join us when we come back. Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Researchers at Binghamton University's Department of Psychology in England believe that if you use a period while texting, it makes you appear less sincere. Hey, autocorrect alone makes my texts look like they came from a goostrum noodle. The study goes on to say that using a period in a text conversation is an act of psychological warfare. Hyperbole, maybe, but we get the point. The same research also found that exclamation marks are more friendly and sincere than no punctuation at all. Talk Talk Mobile states that you should always match a kiss for a kiss when texting significant others as well. 
Fewer or more digital kisses compared to your partner can be construed as a brush-off. Would someone who is distracted by their phone while driving be considered intexticated? I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to be joined by our next guest today. Um, He goes by G. Eric Francis, and he wrote a book called The Book of Noah, and it's basically talking about his life and parenting journey um, with his son, Noah, who has a dual diagnosis of Down syndrome and autism. And it's it's such an engaging, uh, fun book, but it's the, the story is so touching and, and so many great points and, and things that I have taken away that I've kind of implemented into my parenting, um, even though I don't deal with nearly the struggles that you have. So how are you, Eric? How are you doing today? I am well, Tower. How are you this morning? I am doing fantastic now that I've uh, had my fourth cup of coffee. I'm, I'm feeling good. <laughs> oh, good for you. Good for you. Awesome. <laughs> so... Um, Tell us, I mean, the, your story is just amazing. And first of all, you're, I mean, you're so brutally honest and raw um, in the entire, throughout the entire book. And I found it amazing that when you, how honest you were about not being happy about becoming a dad. You, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my wife has never let me get enough to get over that per se. It, it was I guess because I looked at flaws in myself, because my father and myself didn't have the world's greatest relationship, even though I loved him to death. And when I became a dad, the first time, I I guess I just froze. It's like, oh, my God, I'm in second place now. You know, so <laughs> and I was like, what do, what do I do? Am I going to screw this job? Am I going to make this kid like a... Sociopath, I swear to make sure I do the best job I can. But once my first son was born and I held him in my arms, I was, I was like, okay, we're going to do this. It's okay. We're going to bring the kid up the best way we possibly can. And, you know, outside of several hundred mistakes, I've done okay. Wow. You only have several hundred? Well, That's that was so awesome. That was just, just yesterday. <laughs> only yesterday. You're just getting started. Right, <laughs> several hundred a day. <laughs> yes, yes, ma'am. Uh, I, I, we, my son and I, my oldest one, in particular, were too much alike. So we, we, we butt heads. He's a teenager now, and I realized why my mother looks the way she does because I, I turned it that way. I made her look old. So I did it to her. Now my son's doing it to me. There you go. Every gray hair on my head is my children's fault. And I tell them that all the time. I love my favorite meme that was out on Mother's Day was, don't forget to buy your mom ma- a bottle of wine on Mother's Day. After all, you're the reason she drinks. And I was like, see? <laughs> exactly. So I deserve a case, I think. <laughs> so when you, why did you 
feel the need though. I mean, you, so you've had an extraordinary journey and struggled a lot, but found you somehow were able to find the, the fun and the joy also in this diagnosis, this dual diagnosis. Why did you feel the need to write the book the way you did? I think because we as human beings sometimes, when we don't know what someone is going through, we can come to our own conclusion. It's, we can't help ourselves. We make assumptions. I like to call them assumptions because you know what actually those first three letters. And mm-hmm. when Noah showed up, and at first, see, when you look at Noah, you wouldn't think, because, you, know, you know, sometimes the facial features of some Down syndrome kids, you can look at them and say, okay, maybe they may have Down syndrome. Noah looked, didn't have that look. And then as he got older, uh, and some of the things took place, especially when the autism diagnosis came to play, folks made assumptions. They said, what's wrong with him? Or, or can't they control his kids? Or things of that nature. And mm-hmm. when situations like this took place, I would share them with friends on social media, things like that, kind of event, because in a lot of ways, my wife and myself feel like we fight this battle alone. Not to say that our families don't care and our friends don't care to a point, but ultimately people kind of back away and we have to deal with things and sometimes it gets very lonely. So a friend of mine suggested from one of my social posts, hey, you should write a book. You should write a book. You've written other books. You should write this book. And I looked at her like she was crazy because my other books were either humor books or children's books or things of that nature. But once I sat down and started writing, it was so therapeutic for me. It, it mm-hmm. let me throw out everything I was feeling, everything my wife was feeling. Because if you notice in the book, I put a lot of things that she posted on her on a, a site called Caring Bridge about all the things, all the medical things no went through and everything else. And it came together so well. And I wanted to write a book where other parents who are maybe not necessarily that dual site diagnosis like Noah, but kids, especially parents with autism kids, I mean, autism, wow. You know, I, my uh, other son, my fact, this guy recently diagnosed with Asperger's about a month ago, and that's been a struggle in itself. And I wanted people to know, you guys are going to be okay. I'm here, mm-hmm. this flawed dad who sometimes loses his patience, sometimes gets angry, sometimes even yells, and I'm not proud of that fact. And yet here we are as a family surviving. So I can do it. Good Lord knows that you guys can do it too. And I wanted to put in a way where folks can feel good about themselves, despite the fact if you may feel sometimes that you failed your kids. And sometimes my wife and I feel that we failed our kids, even though in a lot of ways, certain things are out of our control. So that was the big mm-hmm. thing when I wrote this. It's like, guys, laugh at yourselves. Like, poop is funny. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> uh, like, you know, it happens. Uh, uh, these kids are special. They're, they're wonderful. They're Right, because when Noah, in particular, when Noah doesn't have, I, I, we call them episodes, when he has, you know, sometimes he get out of control, out of whack, he is one of the most wonderful human beings I have ever encountered in my life. And he makes mm. my wife so good. He, he touches people anywhere he goes, and he will make you say hi to him. Mm-hmm. What a lesson that we can learn, because we as adults, we end up becoming these semi-self-centered people 
and we said we always are very guarded. I'm like, this person have to get me. This person not to do this. No, it doesn't care. It's like I don't care what color. I don't care what gender. I don't care what orientation you are. You're my friend, and yeah. that's the kind of thing we can teach others. And I think we'd be better for it. So I think ultimately the book tries to accomplish all those things to show that yeah, Noah may be this, this, or whatever, but Noah's also better than a lot of people you may know. Hmm. I can agree with that. I think that, you know, my my little teen has Asperger's also. Right. And um, he struggled. They thought for a while that he had Tourette's syndrome, um, not because of words that he would say, but like noises that he would make and, and things like mm-hmm. that. And when teachers would come to us, they were concerned about bullying and we would ask him about it. He'd be like, no, that's my friend. And it kind it it so changed our view like you said you know it's they're they're just going out there and being who they are and if you make eye contact with them or say hello to them you're a friend you know Absolutely. they don't you know they don't hear the sarcasm in your voice they don't hear the cynicism they don't get that inside joke that you tell they just see you as um a kind person and i wish more people could see each other like that. One of my favorite stories in your book is when you're in the bathroom and Noah comes in and he's oh like, God. hey, daddy. And you're like, yeah. And he's like, F you, daddy. <laughs> and it's like, if that was any other kid on the planet, any other neurotypical kid on the planet, you'd be like whooping their butt. You don't say that to your dad. But when it's these kids and you know that it's coming from a place of simply wanting to make you laugh. Yes. You know, it's so hard Absolutely. to look at them with anger, right? Absolutely. When that happened, well, when I told my wife, she was amused but not amused because kind of the mother thing kicked in a little bit. It was so funny because she was so proud of herself. Like, hey, I'm using this awful word correctly. And I looked at him and was like, I can't get mad at him. <laughs> I just, I, I wish I could. And once again, it goes back to the people who may judge a different way. I'm like, unfortunately, he said that in church once, and he's uh, said <laughs> certain things in the wrong place. And I'm like, oh, you know, I go, oh, crap. And people look, and they understand why he did it. And then once again, there's the judging look thing. There's the, what's wrong with you? Why don't you whip the tail? And like, because mm-hmm. you know it, and that's what he does, and we love him just the same, and you're just supposed to correct him like any other kid, but we have to do it in a slightly different way. And don't judge me. (laughs) It is what it is. It is what it is. And that's the way we try to approach things when it comes to Noah. It is what it is. And we deal with things the best we can. And uh, it's our hope that when people look at our story, they can relate and they can go, the people out there just like me. And we're going to be all right. And I'm not alone. And I'm not going to screw them up forever. Because I'm I'm allowing them to be brilliantly who they were designed to be, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Ugh. How often I've said a million times, if Noah didn't have Down syndrome Down syndrome, he would be Noah. Right. And that's all we know. And that's how we fell in love with him. And that's where we do it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's and it, like you said, it's so much harder when it's an invisible like with Noah, you don't look at him and automatically know that he has Down syndrome. Like some people, you know, I, I know a lot of kids that have, or a lot of people with Downs. And it's one of those things that you can, you can tell. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a feature. 
right? It shows up as a feature. Autism doesn't show up as a feature. And that's, that's the thing that's so, that's the thing that's so hard is when you go out in public and your kid is just being who they always are and other people are judging them because they can't see. It's like, you know, they're not in a wheelchair, so they really can't be disabled, you know? So it must just be your terrible parenting, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, that's one of the flaws of being human being. We assume that we do not know. I'm guilty of it, everybody's guilty of it, and I wish we can get a little better at it, so. Do you find yourself diagnosing other people and other kids now? <laughs> Come on, tell the truth. Yeah, you uh, do. <laughs> sometimes, but I, I, I won't lie. Sometimes it's absolutely true. My wife and I will be out. Well, one of the few times we get a chance to be alone and have some us time, and we'll go see uh, a family and we'll look at kids. We're like, just get a Down syndrome or just get a toothache, or... and it's weird because beforehand, Tornol we wouldn't do these things, and now you're like, hmm, and you try to be like Scooby Doo and try to figure out the mystery. You know, so to speak. It's so true. It, it, it's really weird. So it, it's funny that you ask that question because, yeah, that's very true. We, we do it all the time. We, we are very guilty. It's just, it's so bizarre because when we go to, like, amusement parks and stuff like that, we'll see people getting mad at their kid and we'll be like, Psh, that kid will be diagnosed with autism in the next month. <laughs> it's like, yes, that kid can't help it. <laughs> You can, it's so funny to me because people will be like, you can tell if a child is autistic or not. No, actually, unless you have a child with an autism diagnosis or you work with them, you really can't tell. Like, if your kids are neurotypical and just wild, you can't look at another kid and be like, that kid just needs discipline because you have no clue, I'm telling you right now. But you can walk up on a kid that has Asperger's and have one five-minute conversation with that kid and be like, yeah, that kid totally has Asperger's. (laughs) I would have to concur with that. <laughs> I would have to concur with that. If you, if you talk to my oldest, you're like, mm, yeah. <laughs> you yep. just know. Wonderful kid, but yeah, you just know. It's amazing. Absolutely. It's amazing. And I think that one of the things that I'm I'm kind of happy about is that so with, with the um, increase in diagnosis comes right. an increase in acceptance. True. You know? And I, I say it all the time when I go to IEP meetings and there's always that one teacher who's, who's really resistant and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, kids are overdiagnosed these days and, you know, everybody's on an IEP. And so they kind of resist following the rules, following the guidelines, following the parents' recommendations for what they know is best for their special, brilliant, unique kid. And I kind of sit there and I look at the administration and I go... When one in 44 boys in New Jersey are being diagnosed on the spectrum, you may want to start integrating acceptance policies into your into your teaching, into your curriculum, <laughs> because, you know, you're going to have you're going to have four or five of these kids in your classroom every year. And it's just going to keep getting more and more. So it's it's time to start accepting that it's no different than a kid who who needs glasses or, you know, a kid who has ADD and has to stand up in the back of the room or, you know, the kid who talks too much, the kid who daydreams. These are our kids. It's just their Absolutely. symptoms are changing, you know. It's Absolutely. amazing. I can totally concur. Absolutely. Uh, so how can Parent Nation get a hold of your brilliant book? 
Well, well, Billy, why thank you, girl. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find it under my author name, G. Eric Francis, at Amazon.com, uh, in Kindle format and paperback. You can also buy it directly and follow Noah's Adventures and his page at Facebook.com backslash Noah Gregory 321. And, folks, 20% of the net profits go to Down Syndrome and Autism Organization. I'm trying to raise awareness and help folks out just like my son. So I hope you guys definitely check it out. And I appreciate so much that you allowed me to come to your show. Absolutely. It was a joy having you here, and I thank you so much, and I wish only the best for you and your family and all of the wonderful giving and, and uh, awareness that you're creating. So thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you. And yes. thank yes, you. Have a good day. Absolutely. You too. And thank you to Dion Davis um, for being a, an amazing advocate for LGBT youth in our in our community. And I think we all need to open our hearts and open our eyes a little bit more when we're viewing what's going on around us, because if we're really truly worried about all the struggles that our kids are dealing with, we have to realize that what we're creating and the part that we're playing in that. So I also want to let Parent Nation know to go to my website and check out the upcoming free call that we have coming up this week, tomorrow at noon. Um, raising the parenting bar. So check that out on my website. And until next week, everybody, keep playing. That's the past mom's little barometer of is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling